0: Welcome to the Hell Has an Exit podcast with host, Teddy Tarantino. New episodes every Tuesday at 4 p.m. Eastern. Don't forget to subscribe.
1: All right. Hey, welcome to Hell Has an Exit. I'm your host, and today I got Dominic L. Um, I've known Dom pretty much since I've been clean. Well, maybe a little after I got clean, because you got clean like a year after I did, right? Yes. And uh, Miami native. uh, You even worked for me for a short time. Yep. When you first started working in treatment, you were one of her first therapists. And um, I know you got a, a really interesting story. Uh, I love to see that, you know, you're back in school and almost done with your master's degree. You know, I love to see any addict go back to school. And, uh, you know, I know your story, but, you know, like on the show, like I was telling you, this is like the only time that I really get to hear people's like whole story, like where they're really from, what really happened to them. So Sounds good to me. Where
0: are you from? Originally, I was born in uh Jersey City, New Jersey. My father was Italian. My mother's Cuban. Mm-hmm. Like I was screwed from the get go. So you're Italian, Cuban. Yes. Okay. So I came to to Miami like at the age of like two, three, mm-hmm. and like I was I was you know I was raised in Miami. There was a time my mother because my my mother would like. My mother's a woman that she's like, she's Cuban. She came to, from Cuba in, in 1959. She's been married seven or eight times. You know, she bounces around like that, and um, like she would always like say that she was running away from my father because mm-hmm. he, was, he was I don't know he was a Italian, like pretty rough guy. Mm-hmm. Never against her, but um, like we, she, my mother made a lot of money in 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 the in the 70s, and um, she sent me and my sister to live with my older sister which was born in Cuba too and, and like we lived in Mexico for like nine months. I didn't even mm-hmm. speak Spanish, you know? Wow. So um You didn't I, speak
1: Spanish growing up? No, no. You no, speak
0: Spanish now? No when I was in the third grade, uh-huh. I was sent to Mexico, like I didn't speak Spanish. Okay. And then I started learning like I was you know light, door and stuff mm-hmm. like that. And then in Mexico, like they they didn't speak English. So I came back from Mexico like around eight
1: Eight years old, and um, like I spoke like a little Mexican, mm-hmm. you know, and uh, <clears throat> so your Spanish is from when you were in third grade yeah. in Mexico. Okay. That's where I started, mm-hmm.
0: and then um, I remember we went, you know, so I had to repeat the third ge- grade again. So now I was like a little older than the rest, and then we bounced around. Like I never, I never spent more than two years in a in, in, uh, elementary or junior high. And we we moved to um to Las Vegas, mm-hmm. and then well my mother had got married and we went to Las Vegas and we stayed we stayed there for three years in Las Vegas and there I became you know I got introduced uh, you know drugs there mm-hmm. I was um, ten years old when, when I went to Las Vegas. And what then, drugs did you start doing immediately? W- marijuana, mm-hmm. and you know and alcohol, and then um, I used that and. My hangout was at a, at a roller rink, and they had a half pint.
1: Half pint? Uh-huh. Yeah. You used to skate. Yeah. Really. And I, and I was like into that. Oh wow! So was I. That's so funny. I had long
0: hair. I had an earring. Mm-hmm. I, I I dipped Copenhagen. You know. Mm-hmm. This was now I'm about eleven 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 years old. Mm-hmm. And there we you know I never had no rules no regulations nothing I we you know free. Mm-hmm. So I st- I was I started getting in trouble in the fourth grade. Fifth grade. Well, I was getting in trouble in kindergarten, first mm-hmm. and second in Miami. But like, we, we became more, you know, seeing the principal's office, you know, getting suspended, pat, getting paddled. Back then, they would mm-hmm. paddle you. You know, today I think. Um, yeah, it's child abuse. Yeah, child abuse. DCF was. You think go. it's child abuse? Listen, if you're, it, it, it depends. <laughs> like, I would get paddled for the most ridiculous things. You okay. Know? I mean, I, talking loud in class. Hey, go to. I mean, it was.
1: And either they would paddle. paddled
0: or suspended. Okay. So I I would always get suspended, and then my mother I remember this is now and I'm jump I'll jump up to like the seventh grade and mm-hmm. she was like yo, oh, no more suspensions. So then it was either suspended, or paddling. So I would take the paddling, mm-hmm. you know. But uh, it wasn't I was never it wasn't that I was bad at school or something like like academic. It was that I, I
1: I I didn't want to participate. So you're always smart. You're just a knucklehead. Yeah. Okay. So it's not like you weren't good in class or anything that. So back then, back then,
0: 11 years old, like I'm smoking little cigarettes every now and then, you know,
1: mm-hmm.
0: smoking weed. They had this thing called hash, hashish, you know. Mm-hmm. That was, that was, my mother had a, her husband, like he he smoked weed, you know, and, and he had the marijuana in, in the refrigerator. I would take that too. Friends of mine, because in Las Vegas it was different, I, I, I believe, like at the end of the 70s, the early, you know, 1980, 81. So, um, I became involved with the, with the skating, so I would, then over there they had skateboard parks, mm-hmm. so I would go, you know, I would be uh, in the skateboard parks, and I also would do it with bikes. BMX. Yeah, with the bikes.
1: Today, never knew that is like that's why I love the podcast because like I couldn't probably know you forever, and I would never know that. A lot of people that's don't good. know that about me. Wow. Yeah.
0: So so what they do today on mm-hmm. skates and uh, and uh, BMX, yeah. like it's a whole different yeah. thing they got going mm-hmm. on. Cause we would do we would do tricks and everything, but and then there was was, I don't know if it was the area Las Vegas, but Las Vegas and back in you know in the 70s, early 80s, you know the drug was more like people were doing them, Mm -hmm. you know, at a young age, and you did from the parents. So we came back to Miami, and I had a I think I oh yeah I went I came to Miami and I was back in the seventh grade. Mm And in the seventh grade now now it's I, I believe it's like 82, eighty two eighty eighty three, so I went to the school in Miami called W R Thomas, and um, now this house it was just the school and it was all like woods you know mm-hmm. like like then they started building, and uh, there I I, I I really didn't want to go to class I was in this thing called S C S I, so they would get you know it was get paddled sometimes I didn't have to go to class I just had to go to the special class,
1: mm-hmm.
0: you know where we had to just do whatever assignments they told us to do, and you just didn't participate with the other students.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: That was the seventh grade. I left because because oh, my mother, when we when we went to Las Vegas, she rented out the property that I own today. So she rented out, so they had a lease, so we couldn't go there, so we had to move to Sweetwater in mm-hmm. Miami. And um, once the lease was over, I went to, uh, back to our house, to our property, and um, I, I was in the eighth grade now. I remember I went to school, the school, um, Ponce de Leon. Mm-hmm. So they had that one off of US 1. And uh, my mother had opened up a bar. This was 83, 84, 85. Mm-hmm. And, and, and now the drug, you know, the, the drug era was huge in Miami. Mm-hmm. There was a lot of cocaine. There was a lot of free base hadn't come out yet here. It was up there in uh, New York. But there was a lot of that drug. Mm-hmm. And you know, I was a, I was a fourteen-year-old that I did a lot of it. You know, we because a lot of my friends their their parents were were, were drug dealers, mm-hmm. so there was access. It was you know my mother my mother's bar. I gravitated to the people that that came from Cuba in 1980. Uh, Mario Boatlift, mm-hmm. and I looked up to them. You know, they had gold teeth. They had tattoos everywhere. Mm-hmm. Spanish, uh, you know, words in Spanish. Mm-hmm. I started getting those uh, as well. I, like i would never been to Cuba, but yeah. I have these Cuban <laughs> prison tattoos that say all kinds of things. Because uh-huh. you know I was attracted to it. Yeah, that's funny. Yeah, and,
1: and, yeah, because you're a Cuban American, you weren't yeah. you
0: weren't from Cuba. You know, but everyone thought, and I, I would even speak broken English. Wow. Like, and I'm like, gonna tell you, song sing, you know, like,
1: <laughs> man, I'm born here. You know what I'm saying?
0: Because I wanted, yeah. cause a lot, a lot you of my, fit in. yeah, a lot of my friends, they they had came in in broken know, English, yeah, and, and they, they they started learning how to speak English. Mm-hmm. So my mother ran the bar, and she she would you know the bar would close at three a.m. Mm-hmm. However, sometimes it wouldn't close. She'd turn off the light, she'd lock the door, and people were coming through the back, mm-hmm. and the party would go, going. She made plenty plenty of money, and now I was getting more involved with the drugs. So now, like, I would hang out at the bar, and and I would hang out with the with the with the drug dealers. I thought they were older; they were in their late twenties, mm-hmm. early thirties, you know, somewhere a little older. Everyone had pistols there. I mean, it, was, it was like, I don't know if you remember. You were probably a lot younger, but but maybe you remember. I mean, uh, the Cuban. I mean, they had gold chains like Mr. T. Mm-hmm. They had a bunch of them, rings on every finger, bracelets. They had the Rolex, the Geneva watch. They carried a little bag, and and they carried the gun. Mm-hmm. It's like even the cops were, were getting involved in that. you know? Yeah. Now I started doing, you know, criminal activities. And, like, you know, I was practically raised off in the juvenile detention center off of 27th Avenue and 33rd. Mm-hmm. That was, like, my second home, you know, because the addiction started, you know, getting a little heavier because now I started freebasing, you know. and um, How old were you instead of freebasing? 14 and a half, mm. coming up on 15.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Now I have a girlfriend pregnant. Wow. Yeah, she's fourteen, I'm fifteen. Wow. You know, when the baby's born, she's fifteen, I'm sixteen. My addiction progressed. My my crimes progressed and like they they, they tried me like an adult, you know, mm-hmm. and they sent me to the to the Day County Jail in Miami on the tenth floor, that was the juvenile floor. What was it like? That that was the I can tell you the worst the worst place I've ever been and I've been to a lot of places I've been to wow. prison three times and this
1: they always the say worst. the juvenile is just like so off the yeah. chain and 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 I and,
0: and, and I felt comfortable you know but it, it, it was bad what was so bad about it well you could see I mean I was talking about it the other day a matter of fact and they had um they had a a wing b wing c wing right. And then A-Wing and B-Wing, B-1 and B-2, that was confinement. I, I, I spent some time there. I think it was B-4, they had the Miami River cops. I don't know if you ever heard mm-hmm. of them. You can look them up. The Miami River cops were, were Miami police officers that were killing dope boys, drug dealers, and they were taking their drugs, and they were selling them themselves, and they they got arrested for that.
1: Okay, so it was like a gang... Of Miami, of yeah, cops, and they called
0: them the Miami River cops because they were throwing the bodies into the, the river. Miami River. Wow, for of twelve-five, yeah, catch them. So they were up there, and we would see them and, and stuff. And um, mm-hmm. I was so so. <clears throat> the, the, the They guards, were in prison. They were in jail with you guys. Yeah, but that was the 10th you could Florida. see them. They were like protective custody because yeah. that was like locked up.
1: Yeah, yeah, they were
0: in the B wing. Okay, and when I was in confinement, then you could see them. Mm-hmm. You know, so um. The guard, the the officer station was in the center of the wing, so when they would bring you in, they would open up this big sliding door. Zzz, they would throw you in there, and they would close and they would leave. Mm-hmm. Anything would happen there, and people were getting beat up, jumped. Some people were getting raped. You wow. Know, yeah, there was people kids. there for murder. There were kids. Kids raping other kids. Fourteen, fifteen-year-old, sixteen. I was already seventeen. I mm-hmm. I actually turned eighteen years old on that tenth floor. I went there twice. Mm-hmm. When I turned eighteen, they sent me to the adult floor on mm-hmm. the fourth floor. There they had a big tray of of rip, you know, which is um rolling cigarettes mm-hmm. and tops. and they had cigarettes. I saw people smoke free basing in the cell. I said, they, "You're allowed to smoke crack here." And they were like, "No, nah, he brought it in." And like mm-hmm. it was like, it was, it was pretty loose there. Mm-hmm. But it was more, it was more, you know, it wasn't like it was on the 10th floor. You know, at first I, I was a little, you know, in fear. Oh, I'm going with the adult. And listen, it was the... The, the, the adults more, were way more chill. Yeah, it was like, it was like, it was like relaxed there, you know? Yeah. And then I remember getting out and a friend of mine, which is one of my best friends today, Alex F., which he just celebrated 19 years clean.
1: Nice. And I
0: remember coming from the 10th floor... Tur- no, I turned 18, I, was, I went to the fourth floor, and I finally got out. This was mm-hmm. almost
1: a year of being incarcerated. Now, what would you get locked up for? Was it selling drugs, violence, guns? <laughs> so I, I got locked up from everything. This is
0: a juvenile time. So in this, when I'm, ju- when I'm a juvenile, I'm getting for burglary, I'm getting for Grand Theft Auto a few times, aggravated assault, a bunch of possessions, but it was mostly burglary, auto theft, and uh, possession mm-hmm. as a juvenile, but then what happened when I was a juvenile? It was the Fourth of July um, weekend. This was um, 1987, and there was a fight in the gym, and I and I, I you know I sucker punched this one kid, and it broke his jaw. So that's why they sent me to the county, hmm. you know, because of the background. And then uh, I remember Alex picking me up at my house with a, another friend of mine. And my mother's like, no, no, don't go.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: He said, no, because Corona's had just came out.
1: And I re- beer? I
0: remember seeing it on the news, and I said, I'm going to have one of those. They had it with a little mm-hmm. lime, and I said, I'd never seen one. You know, they, I watched wow. it on the news. Wow. Yeah, like, I mean, on the commercials. Mm-hmm. So I was intrigued by it, and I said, uh, we went to, I don't know if you remember that gas station, Amoco. Mm-hmm. We used to call it Amoco, but... <laughs> like they don't have them no more and um they had them there so i remember having it so when i would get out friends of mine gave me cash money mm-hmm. they gave me drugs they gave me weed they gave me cocaine you know like, it was like my walking package, yeah it's like a know? celebration yeah because i came home and uh <clears throat> i remember being there must have been about 15 of us 20 of us and i went inside the gas station i was trying to sell something in there and when i came outside i remember there was a cop that went by in Corway. So I put my beer down because, you know, I didn't want to get arrested for drinking the public. So I put the beer down and he came, he, did, he went around the block and when he came, he told everyone to scoot over and he pointed at me and he called me and I'm like, me? I'm the one who just got out, you know? I'm not doing nothing. I was by myself. I didn't have the beer in my hand. And he put me against the guard and he opened up my cigarettes and I had the cocaine in there. He threw the pack up there. He searched me, I had the, the, the bag of marijuana in my sock. Mm-hmm. I stashed it in the police car. After we got to the station, he told me to step aside. He moved the seat. He said, found it. He said, what is this? I said, no, it's not mine. He said that he searched the car every, every time he you know, made arrest. And what happened, they gave me possession, which later drops. And it just, you know, I just kept living the use and using the live, mm-hmm. you know, bottom line. That was part of my life. Get high. Do criminal activities. Go to jail take a break in there, hang out in there, meet new people that were doing more crimes, come back and do it. It was just a spiral. It was my life. Mm-hmm. You know, for over 25 years I was doing this. So that was in my, you know, 18.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: When I go into my 20s, so I go to a state prison for the first time. I get arrested for an armed robbery now, robbing a, um, how you say, a farm store. You know, that you pull up
1: and you order the... the a, c- a CVS? No, a farm store. Farm store, okay. There was,
0: there was, something just happened on the news recently with uh-huh. one. But you just drive up, you order, and let me get a beer, let me get cigarettes, let me get a gallon of milk. They saw everything there. It yeah. open 24 hours a day.
1: It's like a drive-through. Yeah, like a little grocery store. Yeah, like a grocery store, yeah. So people would
0: order by here, and people would order by here. Uh-huh. So I ended up robbing one in Sweetwater. They gave me two and a half years. How much money did you get? At that time, I didn't get to get nothing. <laughs> I didn't. He closed the thing. I I tried to take the you know
1: he, the cash register. Yeah, he ran out.
0: So I tried to take the cash register. And the
1: cops already came.
0: The cop had did, saw me outside. No. I, me and my friend looked suspicious. So he went around the block. Mm-hmm. Now I I'd seen him, but I said let me take the register. I tried to leave with it. It had a big cord. It fell down. I didn't take nothing. And they still gave me um they gave me attempted uh, armed robbery and they gave me two and a half years.
1: What you had a gun? A knife. And- even with a knife. Wow. Yeah, that's an armed robbery. Armed robberies with a knife too. Huh. So
0: you to have a screwdriver. You can have a rock in your armed. Hand. You're armed. <laughs> you <know what> you're <laughs> a rock doing? in your. Hand. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's true. I guess. What's the other one? Forced. What's the the without a robbery? Without a strong armed. Strong robbery. On robbery. I've
0: had many of those too. Yeah. Okay. You know. Okay. So, okay.
1: So you go to prison.
0: So they give me. They give me two and a half years. I meet some people, I get welcomed there. We're, we're in this place called Liberty Correctional mm-hmm. Institution, it's in Bristol, Florida, this is 1992. What's prison like in 1992? I'll tell you the truth. It was more like, it's not like in the movies, like especially if you're Hispanic, Like mm-hmm. I lived there pretty well, mm-hmm. you know? I mean, I've seen a lot of stuff go on there now. Not everybody lives there okay. Peacefully, yeah. Yeah, just people that get robbed. I mean, back then, there was no um, controlled, um. you could you could walk from the dorm to go to the chow hall, right, to go have breakfast, mm-hmm. and, and when you're doing that at, at like 5 in the morning, it's dark, and it could be cold, especially if you're in the panhandle, and people would get robbed. They'll, they'll wait, and, and they'll yoke you out. They'll, mm-hmm. they'll take your, 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 you know, whatever, gold chain. Back then, we had cash money on us, which they stopped that. Mm-hmm. And um, <clears throat> there was a thing called CRD. It was a control release. Was, they would re- like they gave me two and a half years. I did five and a half months.
1: And they uh, did work release or something.
0: I did nothing. Mm-hmm. They gave me six months aftercare. I, I beat that. It was slaps on my on my hand. Mm-hmm. So what I what I discovered, you know, when I went to prison the first time, and I thought it was okay. I what I saw was um this was like summer camp for like the poor. You know, <laughs> we played shuffleboard, softball, mm-hmm. football, soccer. We played with the horseshoe uh, thing, mm-hmm. you know, against the pole, bocce ball. I saw a lot of people, you know, they're, they're, people were getting in relationships there. They would hold hands. They would kiss. They would, you know, get caught fucking on you know, the shower. Mm-hmm. You know, and people were doing that. And um there was a lot of people that... A lot of people that just aren't going to see the street again, mm-hmm. you know there were some people that were, were gonna see the street again, just, and they, they were yeah. still living that life, you know mm-hmm. and um so I got out, I continued getting high, finding ways in me to continue so now do you think you're a drug addict at this at at this time, listen, even when I came to recovery right mm-hmm. even this time, like I never classified myself as a drug addict or as an alcoholic, right? I classify myself as a drug and alcohol abuser. Mm-hmm. That's what I that's what I said. I that I abuse. Yeah, it. you're not like an addict, it's just like a lifestyle. So I was reading this book this morning and um it was talking about what what, what, what do we say you know, in, in my mind, what do I what do I classify you know, what do I see as a drug addict? Should be somebody skinny, which I was always skinny. Mm-hmm. Long, greasy hair, dirty, panhandling, living in the street, homeless. You know, maybe uh, uh track mark, uh, track mark, shooting dope. You know, that's what you know. A lot of us, you know, is considered um, a drug addict. And I didn't have that. Like I was, I was never homeless.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: However, I lived at my mom's house. <laughs> I, I lived at her house. You know, mm-hmm. <laughs> I was basically homeless. I guess. Yeah. You know. And um,
1: <laughs> yeah, I, they would be like, "Do you own a home?" <laughs> <laughs> no, you're homeless. Listen, mm-hmm.
0: if I fast forward this, because in reality, I never paid a cell phone because I never had a cell phone. Mm-hmm. You know, and when, and I I came in contact with these things called the brick. Mm-hmm. There were Motorola's. There were the cell phones that first came out, and I I never had a phone. You know, I would sell it, but um, <clears throat> well, <laughs> when I come to see. The life that I lived and the time that I wasted, you know, no education. Mm-hmm. I what I was trying to say was I never, I never had a, a phone, you know, the, uh, like pay a phone bill, electricity bill, a rent, a mortgage, just nothing. I n- I never bought my own clothes. Whatever my mother bought me, whatever a girlfriend bought me, that's what I wore. Mm-hmm. It, it wasn't like I had a yeah, you know, I wasn't into that, you know. So so I started learning how to, I, I, you know, how to become a man when mm-hmm. I came to a program, you know, a program that has the ability to save and change lives, mm-hmm. which a lot of people, you know, like, listen, I was introduced, and I didn't know whether it was AA, NA, whatever, mm-hmm. I, like, I, I just don't know. I know it was a, a program that they told me to go to. 12-step meaning. A 12-step program, They took, and, and they put me, like, to live there, mm-hmm. and I didn't know what, what it was. They talked about this thing called H and I. I didn't know what that was. All I know is I would go there, I would stay there a few weeks, I would leave, get mm-hmm. high. Okay, I have a lot of friends of mine that I that I grew up with, that that that, that you know they had opportunity just like me, and um, a lot of them are dead, a lot of them are in prison. Like I got close friends of mine that I was, that they didn't even do things that I did,
1: mm-hmm.
0: and 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 they continue to use substance and like. They got life sentences. Mm -hmm. I know a couple people that are on death row, and they've been on death row for the past 18 years, you know? And and I'm talking about people that aren't even bad people. Mm -hmm. They've made bad decisions, Mm
1: -hmm. you know? When did your addiction start to, like, what was your (laughs) 20s like versus, like, your 30s? It progressed. It progressed. Yeah. From teens, I mean, I did bad things when
0: I was a teen. Mm Mm-hmm. I did a lot of drugs when I was a teen in my twenties. Remember, that became a lifestyle for me. Going to jail, like I, you know, I went to prison when I was twenty-two. Mm-hmm. Skinny little kid, you know, I was. I was a little kid. I had gold permanent teeth.
1: When did you get perms? I was sixteen. You got perms at, 16? at sixteen? That's crazy. I came to remove them in recovery. Yeah, I remember when you got them removed.
0: I think I was. I think I was already um forty-two or something <laughs> when I got them removed. You know? <laughs> wow.
1: Yeah, yeah. So, I remember yeah. when you got it removed. Yeah. Mm-hmm. These
0: what I got now, like I paid a lot for. It, yeah, and I got implants and everything. And I, wow. I was afforded, you know, the ability to do a lot of things. Yeah. And the change, you know, t- took a long time, even in recovery.
1: Because
0: mm-hmm. I can tell you one thing: when I came to recovery, I brought the streets in with me.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And when I learned in the program, I get to bring it out out to society because mm-hmm. you, know, you know, they talk a lot about becoming a responsible, productive member mm-hmm. of society, and I struggle with that. You know, to this day, I still have you know, I thinking, thinking that if I don't change certain thoughts, you know, mm-hmm. become it becomes behaviors. Yeah, and and I, and I know I can use again. I'm, I'm not confused. I know I have another relapse in me.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: I don't know if I'm going to have another recovery.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: But thank God for the men and women that I see regularly. That, that that some of them would make me live like an angel in active addiction, <laughs> and they continue to accumulate clean time. Yeah, you know.
1: When did you start thinking about like maybe I have a problem or getting clean? Like when did you start giving it like a real try?
0: Well, I've been told to get clean. I've been doing. I've been doing this from the <clears throat> '90s. Mm-hmm. I remember 1999. You know, they they inter, you know once again via treatment center. It's like, what are they gonna tell me this time? Like, I didn't want to be there, mm-hmm. so I could, I understand. You know, when people don't want to be in treatment, like 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 I didn't want to be there. I, I definitely didn't want to stay clean. I came, you know, I would go get some help to shut my mother up to get a girlfriend back. It was never to stay clean. Never. I mean, and all the you know. And over, for over 25 years, I went to jails and institutions. From 1984 until I got clean in 2010, I never missed a year. Hmm. That time that I had 19 and a half months clean, like I, I relapsed, I went back to jail, and I went to five institutions in three months. Wow. I came back 2010, right, February 1st, and like I just haven't
1: looked back. Mm-hmm. I just keep moving forward. What do you think it was about that time getting clean that you stuck with it like that's what people always ask me, you know, and I'm glad you asked that because I share it all the time mm-hmm.
0: so I remember my friend Alex that I told you mm-hmm. he's like a brother to me so when i i was I was in the treatment center again, and I remember this is you know before I relapsed with the nineteen nine months clean and like I'm sure my mother came to visit me at the the rehab. Mm -hmm. It was a a visiting life that you have to do an Al-Anon group, and then you get a visitation for, I think it was two hours. And I remember my mother, I told her, bring my car. I had a Cadillac, Sedan DeVille, right? White, pearl white, leather interior, you know, burgundy. I loved it. But it was full of bullet holes. Real bullet holes, mm-hmm. not the little sticky things. Not the I, fake ones. Yeah. yeah. I had real, and I was bragging about it and I was laughing about it. You know, I was, a, I was a, by this time, I think I was 38, 39 years old. I was a, I was a, I was a big, like 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 a big baby, you know, and I, and I was, was bragging about it. Mm-hmm. So this guy, Alex, he was there and I was looking at him. And he was huge. And I know him as being skinny. He was bald headed, huge. And I remember him, skinny, curly hair. And uh, I looked at him and I identified him because he had a little scar here. And I said, Alex? He said, yeah. He told me he had four and a half years clean. Wow. And he had it worse off than me growing up. Mm -hmm. And I looked at him and I said, you get high on the weekends. And he told me, no, man, I'm abstinent from A-L-L. Mm -hmm. And he started picking me up, you know, at the the place I was at, taking me to meetings, taking me for lunch, you know, breakfast. We would go to early meetings. And... It was just different you know and, and then he introduced me to a lot of men you know and i just started meeting more people in the program
1: yeah i always tell people it's like um you could go to all like the fanciest treatment center and all stuff, but like there needs to be a person that like you know puts that hope in you that like you really believe them you know
0: so i, I talk about it all the time you know and i tell them there has to be a, a identification
1: mm-hmm.
0: i need to identify And it doesn't necessarily have to be the the substance, you know. But I gotta identify, you know, with the person, with some of the feelings, with some of the behaviors, Mm -hmm. some of the lifestyle. Because at the beginning, if you didn't go to jail, or you didn't listen, I I talked about it the other day. If you didn't go, if you went to prison, but you didn't go to a certain prison, (laughs) I said he's soft. Mm -hmm. He he went to a soft camp, you know. If you didn't do the drugs that I did, if Mm -hmm. you didn't find ways and means to get, like you know, get the money. If you panhandle, I, mean, I, I wouldn't even mess with you. Mm-hmm. You know, like I, I've done it all. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and I put my life at, 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 you know, at harm, and I've harmed you know many people because I always wanted to get that one more.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: You know, and, I, and I, you know, I work in the field, and I, and I tell people, you know, because we have this saying that says one is too many, and people chant out a thousand is never enough. Mm-hmm. Sounds cute, you know. Addicts wrote that, but one uh, is too many. Period from what I read, it's just that it's the first one that I put in my body that sets the daily cycle all over again. Mm-hmm. Not the 10th one, not the 20th one, not the hundred one, one, and definitely not the thousand one. one. It's the first one.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, that complete abstinence concept is like such a game changer for people like us. Because it's like prior to that, we're trying to manage and whatever. And it's kind of like you can't have a little bit of a gunshot. You know what I mean? It's like once that bullet is out of that chamber, it's out. That's it. So it's like before then, I never understood that I couldn't do anything. But if you don't pull the trigger, like a bullet ain't going to come and hit you. You know what I mean? So it's like the same thing when when I got clean where I was like, wow, if I just don't do any drugs, I'll have total control. Because I always felt like I was weak or whatever. But it's like, you know, even like that with food right now, you know sometimes like my girl would be like, oh, you know, you want to try a piece? And i am be like, no, I can't, you know. It's like once I had, like she did it the other day, eat, like there's a cheesecake. I was like, no, I don't want no cheesecake. And I had a little bit, and then I just ate the whole thing, you know. So it's like I. it's easier for me to abstain than to do a little bit. I don't want to do a little bit of anything, to be honest with you. So what
0: I've learned throughout the years I've been here is
1: that abstinence is the first thing we do. Mm-hmm. Just
0: don't pick up. If you want to get better on in the inside, there's some footwork that needs to be done. Mm-hmm. Because I can relate to what you just talked about. The disease of addiction manifests in many other areas, mm-hmm. and it's it's the eating. And when I eat mm-hmm. well, and when I work out, like I can see the difference.
1: You feel good too.
0: I can mm-hmm. see it, you know. And then I end up. I quit smoking mm-hmm. cigarettes, and I just I just feel better, you know. Now mm-hmm. it takes that one little. That they say you can have a cheap day. Listen, I can't have a. <laughs> I cannot have a. Uh, a, a smoke crack cheat day you yeah. know I can't have a cheat day even with that mm-hmm. because my obsessive compulsive you know way mm-hmm. of being it's just I want more
1: mm-hmm. more more what struggles did you face when your first couple of years clean so the struggle that I had is
0: like I already knew that I was, I was already a 40 year old man I was an adult mm-hmm. like still mommy giving me everything helping with everything you know and it was like I felt like I, I was okay and I remember having people telling me yo why don't you get a job and I was like I, I don't need to mm-hmm. you know why are you trying to date every woman that looks at you why are you hating and then I started taking you know and like I started taking these suggestions like one of my <laughs> friends I wanted to punch him in the, in the shit right this guy mm-hmm. named Eugene he has 30 years clean yeah, yeah he's my age you know and I'm like I'm like what 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 you know what what why don't you just mind your own business, you know? Mm-hmm. I started having, a t- you know, m- maybe I should um, get a job. Yeah. You know? Maybe, you know, and I struggle with, because, you know, I come, you know, my background, and mm-hmm. I'm one that always, well, I'm this criminal that I, they labeled me as, you know, the court systems, Who's going to hire me, you know? And I'll tell you one thing. Ever since I stepped foot in the, you know, in, you know, in recovery,
1: mm-hmm.
0: someone has always given me the opportunity.
1: hmm
0: Like, my first therapist job, yeah. you know, like you give mm-hmm. me the opportunity,
1: mm-hmm.
0: you know, and, and not knowing, just getting certain, you know, I, I, I wasn't qualified. Today, I can tell you, I'm qualified, mm-hmm. certified, and, and you know, a lot of and change with the
1: experience, yeah,
0: you know, and not only the experience of of, of the using experience mm-hmm. and, and the thoughts and the feelings that a lot of my clients have, like now I'm, i you know, I have the education experience.
1: What was going back to school like? Because to me, that's like. You know, like when I got clean, I was always like, you know, I, I, I used to think like being gangster was like selling drugs. Now it's like when I see people go back to school that haven't been to like my friend Corey, he, didn't, he was out of school for like 20 years. And like he went back to school and he's getting his master's too. And to me, I'm like, you know, like that's gangster. So I'll know? tell you this. I spoke to Corey the other day <laughs> and, I, and I believe he already has
0: the master's.
1: He got his master's. Yeah, he, he, got, yeah, got, his, he got his master's. Yeah, that's so crazy. he's a therapist. Wow.
0: I call him every now and then because like when I don't know what to do, mm mm-hmm. I'll ask, yeah, you know, like I didn't know what to do, where to cop, how to <laughs> open up a window, how to you know like do I asked people you know how to self destruct I asked people how, you know how how I can get better, mm-hmm. and um remember going to school already you know i got i got listen, so i'm gonna tell you i'm gonna tell you a little story so so when I come to the pro- i'm you know i'm I'm going to these to these groups twelve step program, a lot of people are you know they're already getting educated. They went back to school. Some were getting their GEDs, some were getting their associates, some were getting their bachelor's, masters, and even PhDs. Yeah. So I I started finding that interesting,
1: Mm -hmm. you know. Yeah. So to me, seeing drug addicts get PhDs was like being in the hood and seeing like the dope boy get like a Mercedes. Yeah. To me, like seeing people get college degrees was just as cool. Like, cause you would see these people for years. And you'd see them struggling. You see them get a little car, then you see them get a little job, and they go to school. And like seven years later, eight years later, they have doctorate, a doctorate. You know, their PhD. For some, it is For a something. process. It's you cr- know? Oh yeah, I've seen people. You know, took Corey like what eight years. I should have already graduated. Yeah. You know, but that's not my my primary purpose mm-hmm. either. Yeah.
0: But then again, like but you like, stick with it. Of course. Mm-hmm. So so what happens, like people have helped me. Like I don't know. Like I asked. I even emailed the mm-hmm. professors and I let them know a little bit about me, where I come from. I give them a little background.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So sometimes they're like, well, yeah, he's a little older guy now. So I'm gonna tell you, like when I came here, people were getting all that education.
1: Mm-hmm. I didn't have
0: none. I had an eighth grade education, it was probably lower than that. Mm-hmm. So somebody told me, Why don't you go go for your G D? You know, and I said, I don't know, but I you know, that was intriguing me, it was interesting. So I signed up in Miami Dade College,
1: mm-hmm.
0: and they give me an ID, and I am smiling and I have my gold teeth, mm-hmm. you know, showing. They give me a bumper sticker. I put that on the back of my car. <laughs> so now I'm coming to these twelve uh, step program meetings, you know, early. Yeah, I'm staying a little later, and I'm showing people. I'm saying, "Check this out." They go, "What? You're Miami Dade? Oh my God! Give me a hug." And there were some smart addicts who would say, "What you, you go to Miami? Dave? Mm-hmm. What's your major?" I go, "Look at this one with the major. I'm my G.D. Okay, yeah. progress not perfection, and I struggled with certain things. You know, like especially like math. Mm-hmm. I thought I was good at counting money, <laughs> but they started putting in these math problems. They put letters in the front alphabet. of the numbers. They put
1: the alphabet with it, the numbers, and it screwed me up. I never would. Me too. Know, they didn't teach that in eighth I hated grade. It. it was
0: like ninth grade stuff. <laughs> so I, you know, I would ask for help." Mm-hmm. And I eventually got my high school diploma. I was already in Miami Dade. I got my associate. I went to Florida International University. I got my bachelor's, and I'm a current student right now at Florida Atlantic University, getting my master's degree, my MSW in social work. Mm-hmm. You know, and thank God for, for the men and you know women that I that I've seen in in this process, that have paved the way for me.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: You know, and then I, I you know I've I've seen a lot of people like like you, and my sponsor. Get clean young, so my sponsor got clean at like twenty four, mm-hmm. and I'm like, you know, he talks a lot about jails, institutions, you know, that use it for a long time, and, mm-hmm. and I'm I'm judgmental, and I'm like, <laughs> how many jails and institutions could did you possibly you did you go know? to? <laughs> how much drugs, How long did you? Read? I got clean at forty. Mm-hmm. I didn't miss a year from eighty four until I got clean. Sometimes I did a few years, you know, and it's like. How about him and a lot of others surrendered a lot earlier. They were a lot more brighter than I was. Mm -hmm. They said, enough is enough. Mm -hmm. And that's why they're on on a different level, you know, outside of recovery because of the direct result Mm
1: -hmm. of the program, you know. What I always tell people is, like, if you had a personal trainer, you wouldn't be like, well, how fat were you before you got in shape? You know, because it's like, he's going to tell you the same thing anyone else is going to tell you. It's about, like, are they going to, like, do you... Have a good uh, relationship with them? Do they answer your calls? Like, is your personal trainer pushing you? But any personal trainer is going to tell you to do push-ups, sit-ups, and cardio and to, to eat right. And to eat right. <laughs> Everybody's going to tell you the same thing. But there's just some personalities that you click with that the way that they explain it or they might motivate you a little bit more. But at the end of the day, it's up to you to Listen, do the work. I love it. At the end of the day, it is up to me.
0: Mm-hmm. because a lot of times, even like I was saying earlier, like when I when I mm-hmm. start going to the gym, I eat, I eat proper, uh, mm-hmm. I, I work out, and you can see the difference. I eat one bad thing, and yeah. my stomach comes Me out too. quicker, you yeah. know, as I get older, the metabolism, <coughs> how would you say? Metabolism. Yeah. yeah. It, you know, it's, it's not the same <laughs> as in my 20s, you know, my teens.
1: Yeah, a lot of times people are looking for the perfect person or the perfect rehab, but it's like, you know, you can have Arnold Schwarzenegger be your personal trainer. If you don't do the work, it ain't going to, change your body you know a
0: lot of people get um people to sponsor them you know you know that have a bunch all of these teams from, yeah. yeah they get like oh a God. superstar like, sponsor they try to sit close to them and yeah the, like, know, it's, like, gonna like osmosis, it's gonna yeah, osmosis rub on them rub on them it's not that's not the case
1: yeah and it's like i've struggled with that because i've jumped around from sponsor to sponsor really looking for that right person and what i realized is that like i can have a sponsor and i can call anybody for anything if i like because it's like I used to look for the perfect person, not knowing that, hey, if my sponsor isn't the relationship guy, I can call the relationship guy about relationships. I could call the finance guy about the finance stuff. I can call the car guy about the car stuff. I could call the spiritual guy about the spiritual stuff. I don't need my sponsor to have it all together, you know. That's what I love about my sponsor because because he taught me
0: early in recovery. Mm-hmm. You know, I would call him and he wouldn't get the phone sometimes because mm-hmm. he's busy, you know, he was alive. And I would get like... Yeah. Does you know when I call, he should get in the. You know, I was all upset, and, and what he taught me was, you know, if he doesn't get the phone, you know, I can call you. If you don't get the get the phone, I call someone else. Yeah. And you know, if not, maybe I have to call on the God of my understandings mm-hmm. for this help. But I'll tell you one thing: when I don't know what to do, mm-hmm. what I do is I do nothing. I stay right where I'm at. I stay put. Mm-hmm. I look at my feet and where my feet are at. That's where I need to be right now,
1: mm-hmm.
0: because my head will tell me. Well, you're not where you want to be. You should be doing this. We'll go straighten this, go resolve this. And when I come to see them, I'm off to the races. And I've seen it. There's a lot of people, a lot of men and women, they they, they mess up and, and they use. I don't have to. Mm-hmm. People are going to do it for me.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And, and I've never seen nobody come to the program, accumulate clean time, live a better life, relapse, and come back and say, Whoa. I just came here to see how you guys are doing. I, hey, give me, let me drink some of that coffee. Mm-hmm. You know, they usually come in, you know, with some charges, beaten from an overdose. Yeah. They, you know, almost nearly death. You know, something. So it's like, listen, I, I tell people all the time: if you don't fall in love with the program, you're probably uh, you're not going to stay. Mm-hmm. If people aren't coming to you, calling you, giving that's true. You a, if they don't show you love, like you're probably hanging out mm-hmm. with the wrong people anyhow.
1: It's true. You it's know? true with anything, you know, business. Like if you don't fall in love with working, you ain't gonna work out. You know what I mean? Or, or you gotta fall in love with it. That's true. Cause it's like really loving something is the only thing that will push you past the need to do it. Because after a while, you'll tell yourself you don't need to.
0: I, listen, I love, I, I love staying clean a mm-hmm. day at a time. You know, I have. Jewelry,
1: mm-hmm.
0: hats. Like I go. I go to a con- the conventions. I, convention, you know, I yeah. go to all the conventions. The like, fellowship. I love the fellowship. You know, I don't. Mm-hmm. I, I don't necessarily like everyone in the program, mm-hmm. and I know the feeling's mutual, and I'm okay with that. Mm-hmm. I love me, and I know that because I don't pick up a day at a time, and I work the program to the best of my ability. Like, guess what? There's. There, there, I've gone. I went through the, the, one of the the worst things that ever happened to me this past year what happened like I got married I had a, a wedding that that, that, that that a star would have mm-hmm. you know it was a huge wedding it was beautiful it was exp- and, and, and like five months after the, 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 the wedding like we had to separate
1: mm-hmm.
0: and she ended up having to leave because I guess not you know whatever the kid it was a, a, a thing and it had nothing to do with her mm-hmm. and I was devastated she was devastated and guess what by, ha- by communicating with men and women in the program By me going to meetings regularly, by me praying about things, like like I'm in a different place today. You know, she kept me on her on her insurance, and I was able to. I I needed total knee replacement, Mm. and that was a big a big thing a big surgery. I took no narcotics because of the program. Like, I I don't suggest it to everyone. If you need to take something because of a surgery, Mm -hmm. and take it as prescribed. Me. I look at it like, that's not my drug of choice, but it can be. Yeah. Because I've seen a lot of other people fall in love with that drug. Mm-hmm. And I took nothing. I took ibuprofen. Whatever they gave me to put me unconscious, That, mm-hmm. that was it. when I came to, I took no narcotic. And it was a little struggle. You know, I couldn't sleep. And listen, I walked fine. Like, I. So that's mm-hmm. one of the best things I did. And I did it without having to, you know, take, take a, a narcotic. Substance. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it's a well, big thing for me.
1: What do you think, you know someone who works in treatment and you know has dealt with so many people what are some of the patterns that you that you see of people who don't stay clean because like for me it's like easy it's like easy for us to see it when it's not you you know and sometimes it's like you know it's frustrating and like how do you deal with that so what i've learned
0: throughout the years working in the field right i started as a tech Mm -hmm. behavioral health technician you know uh I wanted, to, I wanted the the clients and, and, and the program to be the way I think it should be, mm-hmm. you know. And they told me, you're just a driver. Just drive the clients. <laughs> and I got offended with that. Yeah. So I, I went back to school. Now I'm able to sit in a staff meeting. Mm-hmm. I'm able to point some some things out, you know. Mm-hmm. But uh, I don't take things personal. I, I try to, to the best that I can to not take it personal. Mm-hmm. Because I want to take things personal. And if they, you know, cause sometimes we got clients that just get angry, they're upset, they're in denial.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And I, and, and like, I know what uh, lies ahead of it. You know, a lot of the people I, I deal with, you know, they've had multiple overdoses. Mm. They, they've turned blue. Like I say, look to your left, look to your right. When are you, cats aren't going to be here by the end of this year. And we're in December. Yeah. So people are going to be dead.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: I mean, I've seen a lot of people
1: die from this incurable disease. Yeah, and it's like when you work in treatment, you have real statistics. So it's like, it's, it's, not, it's not It's it's not not a cliche. It's like when you work in treatment, you're like, damn, well, this is how many people were in treatment this time last year and this is how many people are dead. So the
0: place that I even, that, that you gave me that opportunity, I'm forever mm-hmm. grateful because I've learned a lot throughout the years. There's a bunch of people that, were, that I met there that mm-hmm. are no longer here. Yeah. And I know several of them several like six or seven that are still clean
1: mm-hmm.
0: with years clean yeah with years clean mm-hmm. you know and it's like it's what you put in mm-hmm. you know you're gonna get out yeah and and I can't take it personal mm-hmm. I, I just can't because and I'll tell you another thing because when you're talking about that from what I've seen as well like working in the field working in treatment it, that, that's not my recovery
1: mm-hmm.
0: it enhances it but it's not my recovery mm-hmm. Plenty of um, therapists, behavioral health, they they end up thinking they're saving and changing everyone's life and they end up
1: using, Mm -hmm. they end up dead. Yeah, they end up being the dentist who don't brush their teeth. Yeah. You know? So, so,
0: so, I, you know, I I let it be known that whatever I tell, uh, you know, a client Mm -hmm. or anyone in general, it applies to me as well Mm -hmm. still to this day. And I'm coming up on 14 years, you know, February 1st. Mm -hmm. And it's a, my my clean time, you know, they say clean time don't equal recovery. And I say, yeah, okay, get some, you know, because, you know, we, we accumulate. It matters. Yeah, yeah, it does matter. It
1: does yeah, matter. It, it matters speak. for sure. Because if you're not clean, you don't have a chance to recover. You know, you don't have a chance to get better. And it's like, you know, some people, all they have is clean time, and that's great. But it's like um, without it, you can't, you couldn't even try to change, you know.
0: Because I'll tell you one thing. It is an inside job. hmm And I don't want to be that angry, miserable person, maybe even violent, you know, Mm -hmm. cheating, like lying, like like in recovery. I know Mm -hmm. people that have sold drugs in recovery Mm -hmm. that lie, they're cheating their wife, kick the dog. Like, that's not me. (laughs) Yeah. You know, for that that I use. Yeah. You know, and oh, no, just staying clean no matter what. Listen, Mm -hmm. if I'm not changing, I'm going to end up changing my clean date. Yeah. You know, so.
1: Hey, I want to thank you for coming on the show. I love you very much. And uh, it's always good to see you, man. Good to see you. I love you. Hey, thank you, Dom.